Welcome to the Sailing to Success podcast, the show created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm of fast-paced business growth. Lindsay Phillips is the founder of Smooth Sailing Online Support, a company dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and small business owners increase customer service, run their business more effectively, and increase their profits. Prepare to be inspired and learn some practical tips and strategies you can use in your business today. And now, welcome your host and captain for this 30-minute excursion, Lindsay Phillips. Welcome to the Sailing to Success podcast. So this show was created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm. So my name is Lindsay Phillips and I'm your host and captain for this 30-minute excursion. I'm the founder and CEO of Smooth Sailing Online Support, a company dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and small business owners calm the choppy waters of fast-paced business growth. So you can learn more about what we do at ssonlinesupport.com. So I created this podcast to not only motivate and inspire you to achieve more, but also to share some really practical tips and business building strategies that you can use to be more productive, boost your profits, and of course, grow your business. So today I've got a great special guest who's going to do just that. He's going to help us with um, sales funnels, copywriting. Obviously, we all want leads. Um, so my guest today is Aaron Hoos. He's a copywriter and sales funnel strategist. So what he does is builds and optimizes profitable sales funnels by developing new marketing programs, extracting deeper monetization business. Aaron's been an entrepreneur, a sales manager, investment rep, and he holds an MBA in strategy management. His first book, The Sales Funnel Bible, which we'll touch upon today, reveals a step-by-step approach to building a business around a sales funnel. So Aaron, like myself, is Canadian, uh, so lives in uh, Winnipeg with his wife who shares his passion for reading and uh, coffee. I just had a cappuccino, Aaron, so I'm all with you there. Um, So yeah, so thanks for coming on and welcome to my show. Hey, thanks for having me, Lindsay. It's great to be here. Awesome. So um, for those that don't know, um, Aaron and I do work together on a number of projects and a couple of clients. So uh, love Aaron's work, love his writing. Um, I mean, yeah, everything he touches is like gold. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So for those that don't really, you know, sort of understand that world, um, what is a copywriter and what does a copywriter do? Okay, you started with the easy question. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so uh, when you go online, there's lots and lots of writing. And some of it is informative mm-hmm. uh, writing or journalistic to sort of tell you what the news is. And then um, other kinds of writing uh, makes you reach for your wallet because it's so awesome. It's so amazing. And whatever that writing is selling is what you have to own. And uh, it's a copywriter that wrote that content. A copywriter is someone who writes content where there's a call to action that you need to take. And sometimes it might, that call to action might be to give your email address. And sometimes it might be to reach for your wallet and buy whatever they're selling. Perfect. And I didn't, I guess I assumed copywriting. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't realize that it had a specific goal in respect to the call to action. Um, I guess because you do so much, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess I uh, sometimes it, the definition bleeds out into other areas too. And, you know, I do write blogs for, for my clients. Uh, I try to take a copywriting approach though, where there's, a, there's some actionable uh, information in there. 
um, as opposed to like journalism where it might be just reporting on the news. Right, that makes sense actually. Um, and so as a copywriter, what kinds of um, content do you write? Like obviously, I mean, I know firsthand you do landing pages, uh, sales pages. Um, what other kind of elements would a copywriter help you out with? Well, um, this is where my background in um, like the sales funnel comes in. So yeah. just briefly, a sales funnel is, uh, you know, if you think of a, a funnel like you have in your kitchen, uh, where you pour a whole bunch of potential leads in the top, uh, you build a relationship with them, and then at the very bottom, sometimes customers come out of the bottom, uh, paying customers. And uh, in that process, from the very top right to the very bottom, they're interacting with you in different ways, uh, and often through written word. And that might be your web pages, your emails, um, you know, like uh, even even a book or an ebook, a report, uh, any sort of written content that uh, your potential customer, your lead, your customer, your happy customer you haven't talked to in a long time, any potential content that they interact with is what I write. Um, so yeah, like it could be social media, uh, tweets, oh, okay. Facebook posts, it could be uh, uh, YouTube video scripts, uh, and then that takes you to a, like a landing page. Uh, so then I write the landing page, that takes you to your email, I write those emails, it takes you to a sales page, I write the sales page, that takes you to an ebook, I write the ebook all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's a long-winded answer, but basically anytime you interact with a customer in written word, that's kind of where I come in. Gotcha. So the sales funnel Bible then covers not just the email funnels, but right from the beginning. So the copy from the landing page. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't realize you did copy for even, you know, video scripts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sales, the term sales funnel, it's, uh, it has a lot of different definitions. Mm. I kind of take a step back and, and say, um, like any, any business, every business is a sales funnel. It's not just online. Anytime a business tries to find a lead and turn them into a customer, they're running them through a sales funnel. That's true. And so some businesses, even old school ones that barely use the web, but they still have a sales <laughs> funnel. They still need copy as well as, you know, a lot of the new businesses that, and don't uh, that, that only deal with customers online. They uh, they use copy as well. Almost kind of forget about those bricks and mortar businesses that are. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. They're old school. That's right. I know. Eh? I just yeah. I guess we're so focused in in our world. Everything is online. What do you mean something isn't online? <laughs> um, perfect. So I mean, obviously, the main goal, as we know, is to get leads, right? Um, and then to pull them down the sales funnel, send them emails, get in touch with them with social media, whatever that may be, um, nurturing. Um, so I kind of wanted to steer into like landing pages because I know you've done tons of sales uh, pages copy and it's sometimes I just see what you've written. I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. Um, and just kind of, I guess, the psychology behind it and what type of copy you want on a landing page and kind of where to start. That's a big question. Okay, now you're getting into the harder question. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, there's just so much to cover. Uh, oh, you know, know, my brain is trying to now distill it down to, to one, one quick answer. Yeah, that was kind of a big question. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Um, oh gosh, where do we start? So like a landing page, um, there's, I would say there's two kinds. Uh, there's, uh, the really short kind that yeah. we're seeing more and more of now, 
um, that typically are used to collect email addresses or contact information. And then there are some longer sales pages that aren't always called landing pages, although they That's really true. do yeah. function similarly. Call them sales uh, pages. And those have more text. Those are more for people to buy. So did you want to cover just one yeah, of them? Yeah, the long ones. So, and, and like we've worked on a couple that have been for info products. And it, it right. just, there's so much more written content than your typical opt-in page, right? And I know right, the right. certain style that you'd use and, you know, the certain psychology of getting to people's pain points. And yeah, I just wanted you to yeah. touch on that part of it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Um, so the, the number one thing that, uh, uh, well, oh, first let me just say, the things that I'm going to give you, your listeners uh, can go out and use right away. They don't actually need a, a copywriter. Uh, I'm going to give some good uh, tools and strategies that people will be able to use like immediately. And I think they'll see uh, an, an, an increase in uh, the kind of content they're writing, the kind of copy they're writing, and then their, uh, their return rates on their, on their pages. So I, I really hope this is good value awesome. for, your, Love it. for your listeners. Yeah. So I hope everyone's taking notes here because I'm going to run through a couple <laughs> of things. The number one thing that uh, anyone can do when they're writing uh, is to truly understand who your audience is and figure out what the real problem is. And if you can figure out these two things, it's going to help write about 90% of your landing page or your sales page. So the more you understand your audience and not just who your audience is, but who they aren't, the more you understand that, uh, then that'll help you understand their real problem. And the more you understand their real problem, the, the easier you'll have to, to sell or, or get them to leave their email or whatever action you want them to take. So when I say a real problem, I think a good example uh, to take from the real estate industry, which is an industry I write for a lot. Mm. Uh, and that's, um, you know, people aren't really, look when someone's house hunting, when someone's shopping for a house, they're not looking to actually buy a house. They're looking for comfort and security and safety for their family. They want that smell of the turkey in the oven on Thanksgiving. Right? Those are that you own a house. You're not just looking for uh, four, four walls and a, exactly. a roof over your head. So. So the more people understand who their audience is and what their real problem is, uh, you're going to write like 90% of your copy that way. Um, because once you know the real problem, then all you really need to do is just keep hammering home the cost of the problem. The, what's, what's this problem costing you? And um, like how, how bad is it going to get if you don't take action right now? And the more you do that, uh, the better. <laughs> so playing into what motivates them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, a lot of times uh, you might hear that benefits sell, and that's true. Benefits do sell, but what sells even more than benefits is the fear that the problems you have are going to keep going, that they're going to continue on. True. So um, identify the problem and and stir them up, uh, stir up your reader to remind them how, how bad it can get. Um, I, in terms of, uh, I'm just going to keep going here. I have a couple of notes. Um, it's going to keep going. This is, touches on psychology, but kind of bridges off into some, some more actionable stuff. Uh, if someone is writing, sitting down to write a sales, sales letter or a landing page, and they just don't even know where to start, yeah. a really good formula to use is a well-known formula called AIDA, A-I-D-A, which probably most people in sales have heard of, or if you ever saw the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, it was in there. And it stands for attention, interest, decision, and action. Those are basically the four 
components of your sales letter and you just write those in order, make sure attention's at the top, interest is in the middle, and then decision and then action at the very bottom. And uh, just fill in great content uh, in each of those four places and you'll have your sales letter. You don't need anything else. You've got those four things uh, in that order. So attention might be, for example, your great headline. Yeah. And interest might be all the bullet points that are, here's all the reasons why you need to take action or here are all the benefits of why you want to buy this product. Decision is, uh, you know, yes or no, do you want this? And then action is your, you know, your call to action, your buy now button or whatever it is you're going to do. I've never heard of that acronym before. Oh yeah, it's really, it's super handy and it yeah. just makes, it makes uh, writing so much easier. Um, and then another acronym, this is one I developed. Um, it's not as much of a, a framework, like ADA is a framework, it's a step-by-step. -step. Yeah. This one is more uh, of a checklist. If you have all these four, four pieces in your sales letter, you've got a very strong sales letter. And the more of these four things that you put in, the stronger your sales letter will be. And that's the, the acronym TRUE, T-R-U-E. And that stands for trust. Uh, trust. So just build as much trust as you can with your, with your reader. Okay. Uh, stand, the R stands for return on investment, ROI. Like what are they going to get out of the purchase? Right. Uh, U stands for urgency. Like here's why you need to buy now. Because if you don't tell people why they need to buy now, they're probably not going to buy at all. Like away, exactly. And then the, yeah. And then E is engagement. So uh, keep them engaged. You can use things like uh, stories, questions, um, headlines, subheadlines uh, in the body of the copy, pictures, uh, graphical elements like arrows and whatnot to keep people engaged all the way through. Perfect. So in between ADA and TRUE, you should be able to put together a pretty good sales letter no matter what it is you're writing for. Awesome. Perfect. That's super helpful. Um, and, and yeah, it's funny. It's like, I kind of know the pieces, obviously I've written with you some sure, yeah. sales letters, but when you put it in those, like, I don't know, I'm freaky about acronyms. I love them, but it's like, yeah, as soon as you kind of make it an acronym, make it a formula, so to speak, it doesn't seem so scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so what kind of, um, what kind of writing do you love to do the most? Oh, um, that's a good question. What do I like? Uh, I like mixing it up a bit. I love direct response. So I love, I love sales pages and landing pages, yeah. especially long form ones. Uh, just, it, it's, it's just, I pour so much of myself into it. It takes people on a journey. It's such a key part of your sales funnel. Yeah. Uh, that's probably my favorite. Uh, other stuff that I don't write as much of, uh, well, I do write some, but I just don't like it as much is uh, social media, like yeah. tweets and Facebook posts. Um, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. I just, you know, it's just what I find. I enjoy the sales letters most. You like the meaty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, um, I know you do a lot of the direct mail copywriting as well. Um, would you say it's pretty much similar to a sales page in respects to the approach or would it be different? Uh, sorry, you mean like email? Direct mail, like a printed? Oh, Oh, printed. Uh, yeah, it's it's very similar. Um, uh, direct, direct a lot of cops. A lot dead, of, as you know. Sorry. Direct mail is not dead. 
<laughs> no, it's not. I, I love it, and I still use it in my business, in my clients' businesses. It's, it's so awesome, and people are overlooking it because they're so caught up in the online world. Yeah. But it's huge. So, yeah, so it is a similar approach in respects to kind of like that framework, putting, making sure the trust is in there, urgency, those kind of uh, pieces if someone were to do a direct mail piece. Yeah, actually, the things I said apply for sales letters online, direct mail offline, and even for emails, too. If you're writing an email, yeah. uh, a, a lot of those things can uh, still work there, too. Anytime you want someone to take action, whether it's to reply to you or buy something or leave their email, uh, it's, uh, it's very powerful. And also for reports, too. I should point that out. I think a lot of people think of these as like sales letters, but that's not always the case. Um, you know, you can write a great report, and a lot of times you might send away for a free report in something, and all it is is a, is a sales letter that has sort of the, uh, the appearance of a report. So lots of value in it, but it really is just a sales letter because if there's a call to action at the end, then, uh, then it really is. Yeah, I've like never really thought of it that way. But yeah, I've those never are really fun to write. Yeah. No, I know. I, you've you've helped me write some of those, and you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what other great pointers can you give us um, that you would glean from the sales funnel bible that you've written, or any any things that people do that are like no nos that that you see out there? People love the what not to do lists. <laughs> oh, the what not to do list. Yeah. Um, Avoid, I would avoid using the word I as much as possible in your sales letter. Uh, in any sales letter you do, whether it's, uh, you know, something small like an email uh, or, or an opt-in page, something large like a report or sales letter, uh, you might have I kind of early on when, you, when you're introducing yourself, yeah. my name is Aaron Hughes or whatever, and you might have it at the very end when you sign off, but everything else should be you. And uh, when, do you see this especially when you're writing emails? Uh, you should never start an email with the word I, and I'm trying to avoid that myself. <laughs> Just, if, you start, <laughs> if you can start it with the word you, it'll have so much more impact. So that's a great uh, tip not to do. Uh, and yeah, it works really well. Um, another one is to make sure you have a very clear, clear, specific action. So even if it's a simple action like leave an email um, or, or, or something more complex like reach for your wallet, uh, it should be a very specific action people can take. If it's too vague, um, too unclear, people aren't gonna aren't gonna take action. That's true. People and I'm also, too big yeah. And I imagine, you know, we're always told make sure there's only one action step or call to action yeah. in an email or on a landing page. Don't ask them to do more than one thing because otherwise, nothing's gonna get done. That's right. Yeah, that's a great point. And you can have you can have more than one um, of the same action. You can make them, uh, for example, a buy now button. You can put that like three times on a big sales letter, but it still needs to be only one action. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Any other great tips there? Um, I don't have any don't do tips, but uh, another tip I have that people should try to do is to um, try to incorporate some story into your into everything that you write. People love stories and it engages them. Uh, those might be a personal story, your own story. Uh, it might be a case study uh, or even just a fictional story or a fictionalized story of something that, uh, that uh, you know, has happened uh, to you. 
But, um, you know, a bit of a story, even if it's just the first paragraph or the first couple sentences of an email, it's very powerful. People read it and they get drawn in and then, uh, and then you can transition to the, uh, the pitch after that. So kind of like you're, um, just so I understand it right. So you're, I can't think of the word right now, but you're trying to illustrate, that's the word I was looking for, trying to illustrate a point and you're in your email, you know, hey, when I struggled about XYZ and here's what I was going through, but now I've found this solution and then you're flipping it back to the other person to make you relatable, is that what you mean? Yeah, you can use stories at any point. I really like using them at the beginning okay. and that's a great example you just used. Um, uh, where you start out uh, talking about a problem and then you move to a solution and then from from that you can transition into whatever it is you're going to write about. That's a great example. It makes it relatable that people just love stories. They love hearing stories and they get drawn into a story even when uh, they might ignore everything else. And the story doesn't have to be long, just like one or two sentences. It just needs to sort of have a problem and, uh, and some kind of transition or a solution and you've got a great story. And that's true. I mean, Lord knows we all get a lot of emails, but I do read the ones that kind of, you know, even like from Callan Rush or Amy Porterfield or whoever, if there's a little blurb and I see it's kind of like about their own life or it's more personal, yeah. I do tend to open it more and kind of read. I mean, yeah, I know obviously at the bottom of it, it's going to be, you know, hey, join this virtual event or whatever, <laughs> but it's true. Okay. You totally read it and you, you get pulled, right? But it's good because you can, again, you relate to the other person. You see them as a real human being. You kind of yeah. feel attached to them. I have such a hard time doing that for myself, though. It's like I wouldn't even know what the hell to write. <laughs> like it's, it's, well, um, yeah. yeah. You, can, you can use, like, case studies, um, yeah. either real ones or fictionalized versions of real ones where that's you're a little true. more vague about who it is. Uh, that's a little bit easier because – uh, as I said earlier, might not want, you might not want to use the word I so much in your yeah. in your, uh, your email. So if you want to avoid that, then you might say, oh, you know, my friend uh, Joe or whatever did this. And it's uh, an so easy way to, to write a story. <laughs> and I'm going to jump topics here because I want to ask you a question. So are you still doing your 5 a.m. challenge? <laughs> Um, no, I'm, uh, I'm getting up at 6 a.m. <laughs> 5 a.m. was, uh, was too much. It was too hard. <laughs> you did it for quite a while, though. I did, and, and uh, when you and I went, uh, we traveled to, uh, to our client's office, then uh, that, uh, that made it very difficult to get back on yeah. track. And then I traveled back to his office uh, a couple weeks later, and that basically just put me right off of it. Like, between those two trips, uh, you know, I'm jumping time zones and stuff. I just, uh, <laughs> I just couldn't yeah. keep up with it. But I remember, um, I can't remember who started it, but I remember listening to the podcast that he does um, and about his 5 a.m. challenge. And it's like, I would love to get up in 5 a.m. and be super productive in the morning. But it's like, man, I cannot get out of bed before 7. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud those that do get up early. Um, well, the, the nice thing is, because I tried getting up at 5 o'clock so often and I found it difficult, I get up at 6 o'clock now and almost every day I think, yes, I slept in an hour. So that's it feels hilarious. really good. Kind of convincing myself. <laughs> so what time did you used to get up? Um, 
<laughs> well, let me just preface this by saying I'm a writer. I'm a night owl. You're so it could, there were times when I would get up at 10 or 11. But in my defense, I wouldn't go to bed until yeah, 4 or 5 in the morning. So. I just like the idea of, of you're structuring your day in a certain way to get more done, be more productive. Cause that's kind of like what it's all about, right? Yeah. And my wife is pretty awesome and I like to see her. And when I was not going to bed until <laughs> she was getting up then it's, you know, a little weird. So. Awesome. Perfect. Um, so yeah. So how can people find you, Aaron? Uh, well, I'm here in Winnipeg so they can come and visit me. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. That's not, that's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> so my, my website is uh, AaronHoos.com, which is kind of hard to spell. So I'll just spell it real quick. That's uh, A-A-R-O-N-H-O-O-S.com. And um, yeah, there's a blog there. There's some information about the sales funnel, Bible, uh, and, some, and copywriting. Yeah, there's lots of good, good information there. No, I uh, really appreciate it. Hop. You know so much, and uh, your writing skills are amazing. Um, so thank you so much for all your tips today. Um, I know even I love gleaning some, uh, some good tidbits while I'm doing these podcasts. So I'm sure my audience um, gets a ton of great value as well. Good. I had a lot of fun, Lindsay. This was great. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Alrighty, folks. So that is this uh, today for this special episode of Sailing to Success podcast. So you can listen to this episode and others on my new site, lindsayphillips.com. And uh, like Aaron, it's uh, hard to spell as well. So it's L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y, Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.com, where you can also check out some videos and blogs there too. So until next time, people, I wish you a productive and profitable week, and may the winds always be at your back. You've been listening to the Sailing to Success podcast, the show created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm of fast-paced business growth. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.sailingtosuccesspodcast.com. To learn more about how Lindsay and her team can help you increase customer service, run your business more effectively, and increase your profits, go to www.ssonlinesupport.com. That's www.ssonlinesupport.com. Now go and implement what you've learned and come back next week for more Sailing to Success podcasts.